0: Sup, you beautiful bastards. I hope you have a fantastic Wednesday. A friendly reminder, you got a few days left if you want to get in on the Beautiful Bastard drop over at beautifulbastard.com. Much of the goodness will be gone by Monday, but we got a lot of news to talk about, so let's just jump into it. Starting with, we need to talk about this incredibly polarizing story around Hank and Savannah Glembin. They're an influencer couple over on TikTok, and they had their son taken away by Child Protective Services because of something they posted. Right, and while the original video has been taken down, there are so many stitches and reactions to this that we can still see it. With one of the stitches that got the most attention being from a user by the name of aunt karen zero who even says this feels like abuse right so we see this young boy wrapped in saran wrap he is falling he seems very distressed the text on the screen saying that he was a grumpy toddler when you look at the top comments on the video you have people calling the parents out saying someone needs to call cps and thanks to a video later posted by savannah we know that someone actually did
1: i don't even know um how i'm gonna start this right now we're dealing with a situation where Gunnar has been taken from us until CPS can evaluate our home. Because I posted a video of my husband and son playing. That video was strewed in a way. As to people thinking that we were abusing our child. One Gunner was like laughing and smiling, and it was just a funny thing that Hank did um because Gunnar was getting into like the stove that day and like tried putting a fork in his socket and um like Hank like playfully wrapped him in clean wrap. He ha- had room to move, like he looked like a little worm, like a little cucumber. He was at no point in distress.
0: With Savannah adding that the initial reaction was actually very positive. But then, seemingly, the video ended up getting promoted to people who did not think so, and it became a whole situation. Which she said she didn't even realize until a cop showed up at her door.
1: Anything like that? Like we would never hurt our our son. Like we would never hurt our our child. he um the best thing that has like ever happened to us. Like we went down and like made our statements and thinking that like Gunnar was gonna like be returned to us that day. Um, and that, like, CPS would do their investigation and see that our home is safe, um, and that we meant our child no harm. I don't know what to do. Um, whether to stay quiet or post a video or, like, private my my uh social media because of the amount of hate that i'm getting i don't know what the right thing is to do or to say all i all i can say is that my son so loved and cherished and he's my miracle baby like he's my was my fourth pregnancy after three miscarriages, and he's the light of my life.
0: Savannah also seemingly responding to people saying that she's just using her child for money and to entertain other people, saying she doesn't make any money from her social media, saying that this was just like supposed to be a, a cute share, but saying she feels so sorry and so dumb. Like some
1: people are are are, are taking this video out of context and like not even knowing. Hanker, I, I make zero money. Off of my, off of my social media. My, my TikTok is not monetized, like, at all. I don't make any money off of my kid. I just post little vlogs sometimes and like little pieces of like our life together. And, um. <laughs> i just feel really helpless in this situation i feel so dumb for posting for posting that and like thinking it was just like a cute family video and then it turning into this
0: so if you go into the comments of that video they are absolutely brutal and not on her side with a number of people saying this child should be taken away but savannah then shared another update showing that her son had been returned by cps and writing in the caption cps cleared us of wrongdoing and determined our home with us is safe for our son despite that a hard lesson was learned a mistake we will never make again. This weekend was extremely traumatic for us as a family, and we'll be taking time away to heal. And there, the comments far more on the parents' side, with top comments like, they probably called CPS out of jealousy, and all these people stitching videos of you just to gain views and getting up is wrong. They don't care about the welfare of your son. Savannah responding, they smelled seemingly blood in the water and decided they wanted a piece of it. It's fucking gross, straight up. As well as glad he's home, but hopefully this gives you pause about what you post. With Savannah responding, absolutely. I was doing my best to be cognizant about what I was posting about my son in general before, but we made a poor decision and it cost us dearly. But with all that is transpired and all that has been said about this, I do not want to pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts with this situation? And then, do you know that you can essentially buy heroin and it's totally legal? Let me explain. If you've ever bought pills over the counter at your local gas station, you may have spotted a drug called tia It's marketed as a natural supplement under the brand name Zaza Red, TD Red, and Tiana, with people taking it, hoping to get an energy boost, get better focus, or even to ease their anxiety and depression. But, as it turns out, the drug targets the same receptors in your brain that opioids do, and just like opioids, you can get addicted. Which is also why it's been dubbed gas station heroin. Meaning you can go through withdrawal, right? Symptoms like, shaking sweats restless legs insomnia and anxiety with some reports of it leading to even coma and death and this doctor explaining
1: because it is um in your brain it's like you're withdrawing from two or three different kinds of drugs all at one time
0: so naturally you see reports of adverse effects and poison control center calls related to the drug spiking over the past few years and unlike prescription medicines or controlled substances this is largely unregulated so you have unsuspecting people falling victim with one guy in florida for example telling vice he started taking a few pills at a time to manage pain from an esophagus condition but then his tolerance grew and he found himself taking three to six bottles per day and saying that when he did finally quit it was the absolute worst experience of his life even surpassing detoxes he had undergone from oxycodone and fentanyl and those are just the unsuspecting people you also have people taking TNP as a substitute for other opioids they're already addicted to right it's just easier for them to buy but as awareness has grown the authorities have also begun raising the alarm with the fda warning that it's not approved has no medical use and should be avoided even right now have a bill in mississippi making its way to the governor that would classify it as a schedule one substance which would ban its sale and possession this notably following similar bans in other states like Alabama, Michigan, Tennessee, Georgia, Indiana, and Ohio. Yeah, be careful out there, y'all. Life's already hard enough. And then, you know how for a while, California and New York were seen as kind of the the masking capitals of the US? Well now, New York City, and specifically its mayor, Eric Adams, go in the opposite way. With Adams saying, we are putting out a clear call to all of our shops, do not allow people to enter the store without taking off their face mask. With Adams saying that people need to do this so the people that work in the store know that they are not criminals. So this reportedly not just meant to reassure the staff, but also because there are cameras in the store or meant to make it so that criminals can be found. Though, one of the counter-arguments we've seen to that is if you are willing to take a gun into a store to rob someone, you probably do not care about their masking policy. At least not enough to take off your masks so the cameras can capture you. But this request also notably happening during a time of increased robberies. With Gotham is reporting that robberies spiked in New York City last year, with 17,411 reported in 2022 compared to 13,831 in 2021. And saying before that, the number of reported robberies had not exceeded 17,000 since 2013. Though this also has created more confusion. In questions, with people noting that the city's own health agency still strongly recommends that people be masked up when they're inside of a public setting. You also have lawyers saying this could be a huge legal issue. Then PR reporting that according to Matthew Cortland, a lawyer who specializes in areas of disability and healthcare, as a senior resident fellow at Data for Progress, any rule that would force immunocompromised people to remove their face masks would violate the Federal Americans with Disabilities Act and the New York State Human Rights Law. And Cortland even urging people to push back on this, saying this is a morally repugnant and unlawful policy initiative. So with all that, people, tell me, what are your thoughts here? And then Are you hungry? I'm getting a little hungry. Yeah, so let's take a little break with our friends over at Boxu. Boxu is a premium Japanese snack box that works with family businesses all over Japan to deliver a new theme of authentic treats every single month. And this month's theme is actually a limited edition celebrating the famous cherry blossom season in Japan. And as you can see, it is packed with all sorts of cherry blossom themed snacks. The petal tea reminds us of our time in Japan, and I'm probably gonna butcher this, but y'all, Sakura Zensen waffle cookie, oh my god. <laughs> it may be the most delicious thing I've ever put in my mouth. And the cherry blossom candies keep disappearing, which I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's the kids. It also comes with a booklet that tells you about each snack and shows you where they're made. So if you want to experience cherry blossom season from home, oh my god, taste some amazing goodness, support this channel. Click that link in the description and use code DeFranco to get $15 off your first boxu order. And then, there's a massive fight happening over the skies above your heads right now, and it could have a huge impact on your life moving forward. So you may have heard, possibly even on this show, that JetBlue wants to take over Spirit Airlines for $3.8 billion. Or with the general idea being, hey, we're both garbage, let's be garbage together. Super garbage, perhaps. But Uh uh-oh, yesterday the DOJ sued to block the acquisition, with one of their claims being this is going to be horrible for consumers, right? People like you, saying that things will cost more and it's going to remove options. And as it turns out, yeah, this could be super anti-competitive. With reports noting, according to internal company documents that the DOJ cites in its complaint, when Spirit starts flying a given route, average fares fall by 17%. And then also adding, JetBlue estimates that when Spirit stops flying a route, average fares shoot up 30%. So they could and likely would drastically change what the floor is for bargain flying. Or when you're talking about seven percent and 30% swings. That's massive. You have the DOJ arguing that if this happens, like, they're not disruptors anymore. They end up just helping the other big four. This will enable a whole different level of price gouging. And that matters immensely in an industry and in a country where, according to airlines.org, there was no new airline startup from 2007 to 2021. And even if you would never fly these two airlines in question, remember, this affects an entire industry. An industry right now where the prices are already fucking bananas. And then, yo, we have a new Prime suspect behind the Nord Stream pipeline sabotage, and if this is true, it could radically reshape the course of 2023. Right, so it's been a second, so let's jump back to last September, because that is when somebody blew up three of the four Nord Stream pipelines connecting Russia to Germany. Pipelines that supplied cheap Russian natural gas not only to Berlin, but to the rest of Europe as well. Though, customers have been slowly weaning themselves off of it since the Ukraine war broke out. And these sudden and mysterious explosions crippled the pipelines, leaving a 164-foot hole gaping at one point and causing gas prices to soar. And so with this, we the Polish and Ukrainians blaming the Russians with the Russians pointing, there finger at the Brits and everyone denying responsibility. And then last month, the journalist Seymour Hirsch stirred a lot of controversy with his Substack article making a very bold claim that it was actually the United States Navy that blew up the pipelines using divers with plastic explosives authorized by President Biden himself. But there you had many scrutinizing the reporting, pointing out how it only cited one anonymous source to support its central claim. And so now what we're seeing is that another explanation has emerged, one that's definitely been speculated about for months, but has finally got some weight. Ukraine, or rather, a pro-Ukrainian group separate from the government. Because that's what a Times report now claims citing U.S. officials who have reviewed intelligence. With him saying that it was most likely Ukrainian or Russian nationals who opposed Putin, but there's no evidence Zelensky, his top lieutenants, or any Ukrainian government officials were involved. And adding that the explosives were most likely planted with the help of experienced divers who possibly received specialized government training in the past. But, with a limited U.S. penetration into Ukrainian decision-making, it's also possible that the group was a proxy with more covert ties to Kiev. And with that, the Times report points to evidence that Ukraine is willing to extend the war beyond its own borders. Like how back in December it struck two military bases 300 miles deep into russia with drones and before that in august a car bomb near moscow that killed the daughter of a prominent russian nationalist with that being linked to elements of the ukrainian government by u.s intel agencies although kiev denied it but also on the other hand many people find the story skeptical noting that the intel does not indicate any members of the group nor who directed and funded the operation with u.s officials also declining to disclose the nature of the intel how it was obtained or how strong it is plus for many the idea that a non-state entity had the training and resources to plant 1000 pounds of military-grade explosives on the baltic seafloor and succeed is already Far fetched. Though now, there are multiple German media outlets reporting that investigators have largely constructed how the pipelines were attacked, with them pinning the blame on six people using a yacht hired by a Ukrainian owned company in Poland, and Germany's defense minister suggesting it may have been a false flag operation to smear the Ukrainians. So for now, we'll have to wait for more evidence, and to that end, there are probes underway in Denmark, Sweden, and Germany. But whatever the truth may be, and if it is learned confidently, it could have huge ramifications for what happens moving forward. If it's true that Ukrainian nationals did it, and especially, and this would be the key thing, if it turns out they are connected to Kyiv that could absolutely shake Europe's commitment to the war effort. We're talking about a whole different kind of trust issue. But hey, while we wait to see what happens next, make sure you subscribe to Stay in the Loop. And then, does the UK hate refugees. That is what some are asking as the government of Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is pushing forward with a new asylum law. So let's talk details, right? The controversial law, which was announced yesterday, says that anyone found to have entered the UK illegally will be detained without bail and kicked out within 28 days to either their homes, which kind of ruins the point of seeking asylum, or to a safe third country. It's an absolutely huge thing. They'll also be blocked from re-entry or claiming British citizenship at any point. And so what this law is really supposed to be trying to tackle is the issue of migrants crossing the English Channel in small boats, which is something that's absolutely ballooned over the last four years. It would also set an annual cap on the number of asylum seekers, a number that would be set by parliament, and place a duty on the home secretary to actually detain illegal asylum seekers, which notably would take precedence over their right to claim asylum. There being only limited exceptions to being removed from the country, and even those are only temporary. And those who want to claim asylum are instead supposed to do so remotely. And so all of this has been extremely controversial, with some pointing out that refugees are allowed to seek asylum, and how they arrive doesn't matter. The Osunak's government justified the changes by saying that those who arrive by boat, quote, jump the queue over other asylum seekers. Although, to be clear here, that does not actually appear to be the case. Their applications aren't actually processed any faster than other seekers. In fact, according to Labor, less than 1% of the asylum applications from those arriving on boats have even been processed. And at the end of 2022, over 160,000 people were still waiting to have their asylum claims considered. Now, all that said, it's not like the conservatives are completely out of line in thinking that the illegal boat crossing is an issue. Right? Labor actually does agree that it's a major issue, but their approach wouldn't punish the asylum seekers. Instead, they want to set up a cross-border force to go after the boats in the channel and break up the gangs that run the smuggling operations. They've also criticized Sunak's plan for for having some major flaws. For example, it relies on having agreements with other nations in place to send potential asylum seekers, with a key issue there being there are no agreements in place other than potentially with Rwanda. Even that might not go anywhere because it's being challenged in the courts. The UN also has major concerns saying, we believe it's a clear breach of the refugee convention. And remember, even people with very compelling claims will simply not have the opportunity to put these forward. And I mean, even Sunak's own home secretary also thinks this could pose legal problems, saying there was a more than 50% chance the law wasn't compatible with the European Court of Human Rights. But also adding, we are confident that we are complying with the law, domestic and international. But we are also pushing the boundaries and we are testing innovative and novel legal arguments. So we're gonna have to wait to see what happens. But even if this passes, remember, it is almost guaranteed to be fought out in court. That's important to know because it might be a very, very long time before we see anything actually happen with this. But it is safe to say that if this does eventually happen, it's gonna be a major game changer for asylum seekers around the world. Right? Because we're already talking about a very, very vulnerable group, but they've already been having a rougher time ever since nations like even the US have placed restrictions on them. And that's where today's show ends. Thank you for watching liking, and subscribing to the channel. For more news you can't miss, I got you covered here or in the links down below. But as always, my name's Philip DeFranco, you've just been filled in, I love yo faces, and I'll see you tomorrow.